Uh, praise the Lord. Well, good to see you all this morning and your faces. And uh, I know that there are folks here that went out yesterday. Some didn't make it to church this morning, well, looks of it. But uh, uh, but I know there's people that are waiting to get to bed this afternoon because they've got to catch up on some sleep. But stay awake, listen, and allow God to speak to us this morning. Amen? Okay. Hebrews chapter 6. You know, I may have shared this before, but a lady in my church said, you know, God commands that men make coffee in the Bible. I said, how do you know that? Hebrews. <laughs> Anyways, that's uh, as far as my humour goes. Now, we're going to continue on with this particular theme of the fullness of Christ, but we're going to switch it around a little bit. And we're going to look at fullness, but in a different context and a different light that we find in Scripture there in the Bible. And the the particular phrase that we're going to look at uh, appears three times in the New Testament. And uh, each time it appears, it has a different implication or aspect, but the principal truth obviously still remains. And that phrase that we want to consider is the phrase full Assurance. Full assurance. And so if we're going to partake of the fullness of Christ and we're going to experience the fullness that is in Him, then it is imperative and incumbent to appoint upon us that we uh, uh, live in accordance with the Word of God and the Bible, as we will see, exhorts us to full Assurance, full assurance. And so because it's that which lays a hold of the promises of God. And so as we consider there's two times in the book of Hebrews, we're going to look at both of those, but there's also a reference in the book of Colossians to this phrase, full assurance. And in Colossians, we want to read it, in Colossians chapter 2, verse 1, the Bible says this, now listen carefully, for I want you to know... What a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea. And for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, and attaining to all riches the full assurance of understanding, to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge." And so this prayer that Paul is offering and this request that Paul is making, he uses these words, attaining to all riches of the full assurance of understanding. Because really our understanding of of the inheritance that we have in Christ Jesus and the plan and purpose of God is very, very important. That's why in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 18 Paul talks about and he prays that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. Because it's important. That's why we have the word attain, attaining to all riches. Because attaining to is, a, is to come to the recognition, to come to the full understanding, to grasp these wonderful truths and realities that are ours in Christ Jesus. 
And when we do that, when we come to that recognition, when we come to that full knowledge, uh, then amen, we, in a sense, we lay possession of those things which are already ours in Christ. That's why we find attaining to all riches. That word riches here in Colossians uh, speaks of wealth. And it speaks of that in a literal sense where uh, it refers to money and possessions or, uh, or uh, figuratively uh, to the abundance and the riches. Uh, and in this context, uh, it is to that which is ours in Christ Jesus. And we are to attain to all the riches, to the full assurance of understanding. Because I tell you, when you grasp and understand the wonderful truths of the Bible, then there is a liberating power that comes with that. Amen. And so what we're talking about here is the freedom of mind and the confidence that results in an understanding of Christ. And really that is how it works. And the greater our understanding, the greater our freedom of mind, the truth If you abide in my word, you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. And so we have that principle, but also there is a confidence that comes. And this is connected to this issue of full assurance that we want to consider together this morning. Because surely, as is being pointed out in Colossians, we're talking about attaining to and so and appropriating that which is ours. And so we're really dealing with the full manifestation and a realisation of the life of that, that is ours in Christ Jesus and that is the believer's possession in the Lord. And this should excite us, amen? I want to stir our hearts this, this morning that we would come to a full assurance and you may be at that place already, praise the Lord, amen, because uh, uh, that, there, that's what we are to grow into as Christians, But you see, sometimes not everyone is at that place of full assurance. And that's why the the Bible uses it on specific occasions. It's not just assurance, but full assurance. And so we want to identify it in our text and then twice in the book of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 6. And we'll read from verse 9. But beloved... We are confident of better things concerning you. Yes, things that accompany salvation, though we speak in this manner. For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown toward his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. That you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, I'm asking that you would quicken your word this morning. Lord, that you would enlighten our understanding. Bring us into the full assurance of understanding. We would understand that which is ours. The riches of the inheritance that we have in Christ Jesus. And that we would live as you have purposed in full assurance of these in Jesus' name. Amen. Now let's first consider the context of what Paul, well we can say Paul, the writer of Hebrews is talking about. 
Because really the emphasis here is progressing in the Christian faith. That we would progress in our walk with God. That we would progress in our relationship with the Lord. And so, the, But the context here is that the, those that are being written to have not progressed as they ought to have. And so we find this uh, at the end of chapter 5 and we find this in chapter 6 that there is an identification and a subtle rebuke really that though uh, that the, by this time you ought to be teachers, some of you need again the first principles of the oracles of God, Paul, uh, the writer writes. And so they have, uh, they're being rebuked for their spiritual immaturity. They're being corrected for their failure to progress as they ought to have done by now in the Christian faith. They are on milk when they should, they're still drinking milk when the Bible says they should be digesting solid food. And so they are, their indictment is that they have failed to progress as, as God would have them to. Now this principle applies to Christian living full stop. Amen. It can happen, it does happen. And we can sometimes become stagnant. We can sometimes become complacent. We're not where we ought to be or should be. We can remain in a state of infancy when God, over the longevity of time, would have us at a far greater place in our walk with the Lord. And so this issue of, uh, of not progressing can be detrimental to one's spiritual well-being. It can be detrimental to their uh, development as a Christian. And I've witnessed this over the years uh, now that I have been in, in ministry and have known the Lord and seen this to be the case. And so that's the context that, that the writer is addressing. And when we pick it up at verse 9, he says, But beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you. And so he has a hope for them and he makes a note of that. And in verse 11, he says, And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence. See, their desire, their, 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 their prayer, the desire of their heart is to see them progress, is to see them go on in Christ, is to see them walk and fulfill the will of God for their lives. And yet uh, his desire and prayer is that they would show a level of diligence. Now let's just stop there for a moment because diligence, uh, the Bible says, is, uh, is very, very important in life, in generally speaking. Diligence is a precious possession that a person can possess. To be diligent as you go about whatever business it is in life. This is a quality and character that is commendable. And yet we are being exhorted to show diligence in relation to the Christian life. And so really when we talk about diligence, we're dealing with our responsibility. We're dealing with that which is our part in this process. And so diligence literally means uh, to, 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 to show speed. Don't be slothful. Don't be lazy. Don't be a, a half-hearted. But be quick about doing what needs to be done. We're all, we, we're, you know, we can all be slow to respond, can't we? Oh, well, I'll get around to it. Oh, yeah. 
Well, it'll, you know, it'll, it'll somehow take care of itself. And we can possess an attitude that in life, and especially in the Christian life, uh, that is unfruitful, unhealthy. And so the Bible's exhorting us to be diligent, which means that we have to show arduous effort, speed, and attentiveness, a focus, and a willingness to do what's required. And in this case, their desire is that they would show that same level of diligence. And then he says, to the full assurance of hope until the end. You see, in the previous verses, in verse 7 and verse 8, we didn't read it, but there's an analogy that's given about a farmer. And a, a, a farmer just doesn't plant seed, sit down on the porch, and it, somehow it all just happens. I mean, there's a divine dimension, if you want to call it, that's associated with the seed because we need the sun and we need the rain and we need the natural elements to facilitate that process, but man can't just sit back and somehow it's all just going to happen. He has to be diligent. He has to give himself to, to, to cultivate the soil. He has to give himself to, to weed and to plough the soil and prepare the soil and to, and to cultivate and to do all that's required in seeing that seed to come to fruition. And uh, I don't know about you, but uh, I've heard that farmers, uh, they work from when the sun comes up or before until it goes down. It's hard work being a farmer. You know, we do like nine to five and that's hard enough for us. But a farmer, they, they work long hours and they are diligent in their business in order to achieve what is required. And so here again we are being exhorted to show the same level of diligence. See, to the full assurance of hope until the end, it says there in verse 11. You see, this word full assurance is uh, uh, literally there in the Greek, it means a fullness. It speaks of an abundance and it speaks of this, an entire confidence. Entire confidence. And it comes from two Greek words, one uh, being full and the other being to carry. And if you want to say, look, acknowledge we've been carried by the Lord, Amen. God is working in us to will and to do for his pleasure, but we still have to work out our own salvation. And so we're being carried by God, we're being led by God, we're being taught by God, but nevertheless, God's wanting to bring us to this level of full assurance, but we're going to have to do our part in that process. And this is the, this is, the Lord is bringing us to a place of fullness and entire confidence of hope, so we show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. You know that word "full assurance." As I was studying it there in the Greek, and you look in the Greek dictionary, it, said, it defines it. And I'll read it. It says the engrossing effect of the expectation of the fulfilment of God's promises. The engrossing effect, full assurance. The confidence that we have. And so that word, uh, uh, to engross, literally means to be fully occupied in your mind, to have complete and full attention. Now think about that, because I know what I'm like. I, I I get up in the morning and my mind, I mean we've got to function in the mundane things of life. But I tell you what, my mind, I have my devotions, I'll pray and I'll 
and I'll be about my daily business, but my mind is occupied so often with spiritual things. You want to say, well, you're the pastor, whatever, but it's not, it's not just for that reason. Anybody whose heart is passionate and is in love with the Lord and is seeking God, you'll know that these things occupy your mind. We can become so engrossed in the things of God. We become so engrossed in the Word of God, in the promises of God, in the revelation of God's Word, that we become intoxicated, amen, with the Word of God. We are engrossed in it. You see, that's why I say, what are you engrossed in? What is your mind occupied with? Because there's so many things that people can give themselves to, but I'm saying, let us come to this place of full assurance as the scripture tells us. We're talking about the full assurance, in this case, in this text, of hope. You see... The full assurance of hope. And so let me put a question to you. Is there a difference between hope and the full assurance of hope? The answer is yes. You see, not that there's a difference in the nature or the substance. That remains the same, but full assurance is a higher degree of hope. And so when the Bible says that we would, have, we would attain to the full assurance of hope, this is the entire confidence. There is a fullness that is associated with that confidence that we are is to possess us and to be demonstrated by us. See, hope is very, very important because it's the basis of your faith this morning. Your faith is based on what you hope for. Your faith is based on hope itself. And so in Hebrews 6, it goes on to talk about hope being an anchor for your soul. In the midst of this life, in the midst of the storms of life, but we have an anchor for the soul. It's a, the hope, a living hope. Hallelujah. And so hope speaks of a confident expectation. And so this confident expectation that we have is a full assurance of, of, of our hope and our trust in Christ. You see, there's two aspects to hope. First, there's the, uh, the objective and then there's the subjective. In the objective sense, we understand by a comprehension of mind and a persuasion of mind, a state of mind, that we have a firm persuasion and conviction of the truth. What God has said, what God has revealed, this is what we are convinced of. I am convinced and I am persuaded in the objective sense of truth, that which is written. But hope there is also a subjective element. Because we are emotional beings, amen? And so when we talk about the subjective aspect of hope, we're talking about the, the, it's rooted in our desires, hallelujah. Because I can tell you this morning, my desire is not to live in this world, amen? My desire is to go home, depart from this body and be with Christ. And the older you get, the stronger I believe that desire comes. Isn't that right? You sit at the front here. <laughs> we don't want to single out anybody, but you all seem to fit the same category. <laughs> but you see, but when you're in love with the Lord, 
When you're convinced of these things and, in the, and, and when you are living in a full assurance, as time goes on, the intensity of those emotions becomes stronger. Because you know the day is getting closer. And you can't wait. Hallelujah. And your hope is building. Your hope is growing. And so in a subjective sense, there's that, that aspect. And so we're talking about the full assurance. You see, we have a desire this morning, and that desire is for God himself. It talks about the full assurance of hope until the end. Until the end. And that, that, that aspect of hope is, is obviously the future glory that we have in Christ Jesus, and that which is yet to be ours, uh, and that we have yet possessed in Christ. But you know what? Paul had an intense desire, was to know him. That I may know him. And that should be the desire of our heart. That should what be fuels us in this life. To know him. And to know him more. And more than that, amen. So we have these desires that fuel us to know God. To obviously to be in heaven with him. To depart from this body. Uh, is, to be, uh, is to be present with the Lord. And more than that, we realize we're in this world, but we're not of it, church. We're in the world, but we're not of it. So, again, there is that distinctiveness and this issue of full assurance of hope until the end begins to fuel us. It begins to harness our lives and we grow into an entire confidence. And people look at us and say, how can you be so sure? I am so absolutely sure. Hallelujah. Without doubt. Without wavering. So we have this issue of the full assurance of hope. But I want to look, secondly, at the full assurance of faith. If you can turn to Hebrews chapter 10. We'll read from verse 19. The Bible says, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus... By a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. You see, again we find this expression and the confession, the, let us hold fast the confession of our hope because again that's the basis of faith as we'll see and identify in a moment but we are being told here to, uh, to draw near to God with a true heart and in full assurance of faith, entire confidence is the word that's being used. Not just confident, but entirely confident. There's another level associated with this. And so, it says in verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart. You see, in full assurance. Because if you're going to have a full assurance and an entire confidence, then it is important and it is critical that you have a true heart. That your heart is complete. That your heart is, uh, is pure in the sense that we are uh, uh, blameless before the Lord. Not perfect, but blameless. We know that we are, uh, there's no unconfessed sin there. There's nothing that's hindering our relationship with God. 
Because if there is, then there is no way that we can come to God with an entire confidence. There's no way we can demonstrate full assurance. And so there are factors that can hinder full assurance. To have that full assurance of faith. And there are, and in, actually in 1 John chapter 3, verse 21, the Bible speaks and John writes and he says these words, Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence towards God. If our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence towards God. You see, when there is condemnation that is in the heart, then it ebbs away and undermines your confidence in the Lord. And the Bible goes on to say that God is greater than our hearts. Praise the Lord. But what I'm saying is, is that these things do affect us a full assurance in Christ. You see, the enemy doesn't want you to live in the fullness of Christ. He doesn't want you to uh, have a full assurance. That's the last thing he wants to see from us. That we would be so excited in God, that we would be shouting hallelujah, that we would be saying yes and amen uh, and, and obtaining the fullness of our assurance in Christ Jesus. That's exactly what the devil wants to steal from us. Full assurance. And he does this in various ways. In verse 23, uh, uh, um, or 22, it talks about some of those impediments uh, that can be associated with full assurance. And so that's why, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. You see, people have to understand the blood of Jesus utterly cleanses and so your conscience can be washed. Your conscience is can be clean in the sight of God and though the conscience may be uh, uh, skewed in the sense that it may condemn you, we understand that the Bible says in Romans 8.1 there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. And so that right there is where we can, we can build our full assurance upon that which is written and reject that which is false. But the conscience can be an impediment to full assurance. It says uh, uh, our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Again, there's all symbolism there, but the point being is sometimes we can feel as if we're unclean, not worthy. How can the Lord accept me? When Isaiah saw God in his holiness, he says, Woe is me, for I'm a man of unclean lips. And when we get a sense of our uncleanness, sometimes we feel unworthy. And we realize, you know what, you were never worthy. At what point did you attain worthiness? And when we begin to feel those things, amen, we identify them, but then that just leads us back to the cross. It just leads us to these wonderful truths of the blood of Christ, the forgiveness of God. And we stand on those things, amen, in the full assurance of faith. Fear is another thing that undermines full assurance. That's why the Bible says, He who fears has not been made perfect in love, but perfect love casts out fear. And this is a process of, of spiritual development. It's a process of growth for the Christian. You know, Hebrews 10, 35, it says, Do not cast away your confidence, for it has great reward. And so 
the midst of the struggle sometimes, in the midst of depression, in the midst of weariness, in the midst of whatever it is, sometimes we can just say, you know what, and we can, we can give up. But you see, the Bible says, if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. The Lord does not want us drawing back. He doesn't want us to cast away our confidence. He doesn't want us to turn away. He wants us to go on, hallelujah, to this place of full assurance. And in this case, we're talking about the full assurance of faith. Now, I can relate to these things because I remember, I know my journey as a Christian when I first became come to the Lord. And so, uh, it was in the process of time that as the, the Lord brought me to a place of full assurance and to a place of entire confidence as I continued to seek the Lord as, my, as I attained to the riches of, uh, of, of, uh, of my under, uh, full assurance of my understanding. And that's why I share these things because they're critical in the development of the Christian life. But we're looking at the full assurance of faith. And again... Is there a difference between faith and the full assurance of faith? And the answer is yes, the substance the same. It's faith, okay? It's not like, but Jesus did talk about a mustard seed of faith, and that's still faith, as small as it is. It's legitimate, it's of the same substance, but he did refer to great faith on a number of occasions, didn't he? And so, when we talk about a full assurance of faith, we're talking about an entire confidence And so when it talks about the full assurance of faith, we understand that it's defined for us in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now look at it. It says, now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Notice that. Faith is built on the substance of things hoped for, and it's the evidence or possession of things not seen. And so this is important because the word substance here is the link. And the word substance is a Greek word which comes from two Greek words, hypostasis, and it means hypo, which means under, and stasis means to stand. Substance. Amen. And we sang it today. We're standing on the promises of God. And so when, we, when our faith is built on, uh, on, the, uh, on the substance of the things that we hope for, because God is true, let every man be a liar, let God be true, and God's word stands firm, his promises are, he who promised is faithful, the scripture says. And so we can have that confidence. We can have that full Assurance, because we are standing on the promises of God. That's why, I have to be honest, and you would have picked this up every time over the years, those that have been here long enough. One of my favourite songs is Standing on the Promises of God. And I'll sing it with gusto. I'll sing it with joy. I'll shout it out, hallelujah. Because there is something in that that is deeply, deeply uh, profound and we can get excited about it. That's why we sing songs like Blessed Assurance. Because these are wonderful, wonderful truths. They excite the soul. So we have that which relates to hope, the full assurance of hope to the end, which relates to that which is to come after. And we have the full assurance of faith, which really in its context, although we're not looking at it, talks about our position in Christ being free from sin and the consequences of sin and the guilt of sin. But I want to just bring you to one last thought. 
as we look at going back to Hebrews 6 and verse number 12. Because we are instructed as part of this process of attaining to a full assurance. There are some practical instructions here in verse 12. And it says that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Now this is very important because we, we are exhorted to not become sluggish. And I, you know, look, human nature is all the same, church, let's be honest. We all know what it's like to get tired. We all know what it's like to feel weary. And the word sluggish here also incorporates lazy, being lazy. Don't become lazy. Don't become sluggish. And we have to guard against that, all of us. That's why we have to be diligent. To counter, to, to counter sluggishness, we have to be diligent. And you have to give speed. You have to be deliberate in these things, don't you? It's like, do you get up and read your Bible automatically? Or do you, uh, you know, is this, do these things are just automatic to your nature? No, you have to drag yourself out of bed. You have to bring yourself to a place. You have to discipline. That's why Paul says, I discipline my body and I bring it into subjection. And so there's an aspect of diligence that's required because if we don't display it, if we're not deliberate towards it, if we don't set our priorities and we don't do what we know we need to do, then we will revert backwards. That's how it works. And we've got to guard against this. Don't become sluggish. But you see, everything is working against us, isn't it? I mean, we're busy in life. We get tired. And we get weary, worn out. We go through trials and tribulations. And all of these things, if we're not careful, can have a counterproductive effect upon us when they should drive us to God. When we should be drawing near to God. Yet we can find ourselves neglecting uh, the very things that we should and we can become sluggish and become lazy and you go, oh well, oh well, I'll just do it another time. And that attitude is not helpful. It's dangerous and left unchecked over the longevity of time will be uh, 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 detrimental to your spiritual life. Don't become sluggish. Don't say, you know what, I can't be bothered reading my Bible. Or I can't be bothered praying. Or, you know what, I don't feel like coming to church today. Because I'm tired. had a big day yesterday. I'm sure everyone woke up this morning and said, oh, I think I'd rather... There were some people who said, because they had such a big day, and I know that they did, because they were physically absolutely worn out. You woke up this morning and said, I just could sleep and not go to church today. (laughs) But I say to you, get out of bed, get up, and go to church. You'll get your sleep later. It's coming. Don't worry. Because I tell you now, uh, put something else uh, that that appeals to your desire, and I tell you, you'll find the energy somehow. True? Anyway, better to make the most of those opportunities. But we see, don't become sluggish, and but rather we're being told in verse 12 to imitate those who through faith 
and patient inherent patience inherit the promises imitate who you see there are there are those there are so many examples there are so many testimonies you read your bible from beginning to end and you are just reiterated again and again and again with example after example of men and women who stood firm they stood in faith and they trusted god and we have that's why the writer in in chapter 11 begins to talk about by faith and then he draws upon the various examples of those who demonstrated a faith that was worthy before god without faith it is impossible to please god for those that come to god must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that sorry diligently seek him because there's something that excites the heart of God when he sees that we are saying I want you Lord it's you and then we're setting ourselves and we're prioritizing our lives and while everyone else is doing whatever that we are being spiritually minded and as we draw near to God that will manifest in our lives but we're told to imitate And you can read Hebrews 11 and you read about the testimonies of so many and there are more. We're just having a list, a general list that's set for us and we see that, I tell you, we think sometimes we've got it tough. Read about these lives and these people and in the face of circumstances that we can't even relate to. They stood firm. And we are told to imitate them. That word imitate means to mimic. It comes from the uh, uh, Greek word mimos or something, and it means, but the, in the English equivalent is mimic. Imitate them. See, we don't like that word in today's generation because we're all individuals. But we are to imitate, to follow their example, follow their way of life. You know what? That's why you can learn a lot from older Christians especially those that are spiritually mature, that this didn't happen. There were choices that were, they made. There was, there, was, there was the chastening of God. There was the trials. There was the tribulations. It didn't just arrive there by some wonderful miracle. Well, it was a miracle, but, it was, but in the, from their, their part, they had to endure. They had to persevere. They had to learn, like these saints, what it is to, to come to a full assurance of faith and to inherit the promises through faith and patience. And that's why, we can, that's why Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. But go to Hebrews chapter 11. I want to read verse 13 because I think it highlights some things to mimic and some things that we can identify in these people. I just want to read from verse 13 to 16 before we conclude but the Bible says these all died in faith not having received the promises but having seen them afar off were assured of them embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, 
That is a heavenly country. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he has prepared a city for them. But you see the, the scripture says they were assured. They were convinced. And they then embraced those things. Those promises. And their faith was rooted on what they had hoped for. What God had said was theirs. And though they hadn't entered into the fullness of their possessions, so speaking of their inheritance, they were convinced. And not only that, it says they embraced them and they confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims. You see, this is the fact, church. The world, that we are not of this world. Jesus said that we are. he is not and we are not. We're in it, but we're not of it. And so there's something distinctive about us. And so we are pilgrims and we are uh, strangers to the world around us. That means aliens. They look at us and they go, whoa, maybe there are aliens. There is. (laughs) Christians. Because uh, we're not of this world, hallelujah. We're of another world, amen. And we're not living for this world. We're living for the world to come. And we're convinced and we are persuaded. We have a full assurance and we will openly confess that we're not of this world. It doesn't bother us. Hallelujah. I'm proud. Amen. I'm entirely, you know, don't you feel, you know, uh, uh, embarrassed? No. (laughs) But they they think you're crazy. But I know I'm not crazy. I know I'm not crazy. I'm not convincing myself, church. We know. And so, you can see, we assured, we embraced, we confessed. The Bible says they declared plainly that they seek a homeland. They just said it as it was. You could imagine Noah in his day, couldn't you? They, they all would have thought Noah was an absolute lunatic. Can you imagine for year after year after year, he's convinced, he's sure of what's to come and he's building a boat. It's never rained. They think he's a lunatic. They think he's crazy. But he's absolutely unmoved and convinced. And, and he states it accordingly. He was a preacher of righteousness. And so we have these wonderful examples that we can imitate that we can follow and we can uh, 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 live according to the faith and patience that they demonstrated, we too can do the same. You think it's too hard? It's not too hard, church. I know it, can, I know it does uh, uh, get hard, but you know what? And in and in of ourselves, sometimes uh, uh, we say, I can't do it. That's okay. That's a fair enough statement because we can't. But I tell you now, God has made every provision. God has given us his spirit. God, in Romans 8, talks about that. It talks about our hope in Romans 8. There's a result of the spirit that is within us. Hallelujah. And so, therefore, uh, we, we walk and we live according to that. Our desires are not on the things of this world. It says, but now they desire a better. That is a heavenly country. That's where our desires lie. For that which is to come. This world, the one man said, this world is like living in a, a garbage can. Uh, compared to what awaits us. See, Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The Bible says in Proverbs, guard your heart with all diligence, 
for out of it spring the issues of life. That's why you've got to be careful what you involve yourself in, what, what goes into your heart, what, you, what goes into your mind. But you see, what my point is to us tonight, uh, this morning, is let me ask you this question. Have you attained to the full assurance of understanding? Because this is critical. The full assurance of hope. The full assurance of faith. Because it's in that place that we will experience and know the fullness of Christ. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you this morning for the wonderful grace of God. We thank you, Lord, that you have made every provision that we can succeed, Lord, in Christ Jesus. That you are the one, Lord, that carries us through. You are the one, Lord, that upholds us by your spirit and by your grace. And Lord, in light of this, let us understand that we are to, your desire is that we come to a full assurance, an entire confidence, absolutely rock solid, unshakable in Christ. And I pray, Lord, that there may be those that are not at that place this, this morning. For whatever reasons, there may be uh, a condemnation, there may be guilt, there may be fear. There may be those that are in rebellion, there may be those that are just weary and want to give up. But I pray, O oh Lord, that they would turn their eyes and lift up their eyes. And consider those heroes of faith, consider even Jesus as we're told. For the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Lord, we have not resisted under bloodshed. God, let us look at those around us before we fall into a place of self-pity and unbelief and doubt. Lord, let us come to that place of full assurance, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right. I was going to sing a song, but we'll leave it there, I think. Lord bless you this morning. Tea and coffee, time of fellowship. And uh, we'll have that ministry meeting as well. Uh, so for those who can come into the room, cross there and we'll address a few issues. Amen.